0: Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon Podcast, along with Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram, and we are thrilled to have you with us. Uh, Chris, back for another week, and you know, it's a lot of fun. You and I do our, our podcast on more of a national scope every other week, and then we have our SEC podcast, which we do with uh, Blake Lovell and Chris Lee. So it kind of keeps the material fresh and keeps it moving, and this is a lot of fun with this uh, new Blue Ribbon report we have going on
1: yeah is we've started a newsletter and and included in that is a free podcast that we deliver to your inbox every week and it's great for me to to continue to to work with you. We had talked about uh whether our our blue ribbon radio show could continue on air and we decided you know what the best thing to do is is uh merge it with this new newsletter and make a podcast of it sure you know you and i um uh, have become good friends over the years, and we enjoy working with one another. And and I've even made a writer out of you, man. Uh, I, I knew <laughs>
0: that that may remain to be seen.
1: <laughs> I, I, it, no, I I'm I'm here to tell you, folks. He wrote. Uh, he started a new series called My Favorite Venues. Started it out with fall field Fieldhouse, and it was well done. I I had to edit the piece, and I have since gone back five or six times just to read it for entertainment uh i thought he did that great a job and you know kevin had written for broadcast news for umpteen years so i thought you know what he can do this and you know
0: what he can well it was a lot of fun and i look forward to to visiting uh kind of going back and revisiting a lot of different places i've been over the years in college basketball man i've been been blessed to go to over a hundred venues. So, uh, yeah, you lost uh, count
1: at like 117.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I tried to count them up one time. I thought it'd be like 75 or 80 or something like that. And uh, I got to, to well over a hundred and, and I felt like I had left some out. So I'll be looking for that once a month. And we'll, we're not just going to go to the big ones either. We're going to go no. off the beaten path a little bit and check We've out. We've
1: talked about these. some crazy ones. Yeah. Even we some,
0: even some that are no longer in use. Yes. Um, we, we will. I think visit it's those. worth going back and, and telling those tales. Yep, we'll, we will do it. One of the great things about working with Chris, too, if you love college basketball, he knows everybody and everybody includes Seth Greenberg, the ESPN analyst. And uh, Chris, we are thrilled to have Seth join us now. What's going on, Seth?
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, hey, look, I want to be part of the celebration. 40 years of Blue Ribbon. Are you kidding me? I mean, I was trying to think 40 years. I was out of college. That was probably my third year as an assistant coach. I just took the pit job. That's a long time ago. Shoot, I've been fired twice since then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's crazy, Coach. I, I kind of looked up what debuted uh, during 81. Uh, the IBM released the first personal computer, and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the best movie, and MTV was created. So uh, we're hanging in there with some pretty fast And now companies. we're on Skype. Now we're on Skype, uh, exactly. which, which is crazy. And I got to say, uh, Kevin, that, uh, last year, well, as you know, I, I teach and, uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, coach was one of the first, I, I asked him, I said, you know, coach, these kids are suffering. They really need somebody to jazz them up and, and could you come on zoom? I'm, I'm not going to tell them. And Seth popped on there and, and they fell out of their chairs and they were just <laughs> so grateful to you coach. He was talking about how he went. To Harvard on the Hackensack <laughs> for college.
2: First, first of all, I said, who's that old bald head man speaking to? <laughs>
1: <laughs> they knew who you were, coach. And, and they, they, uh, they appreciated your candor, which you're nothing if not candid, uh, and, and your humor. And, uh, you know, we had Barnsley on there too. Rick Barnes, I know you and him are tight and, and they just felt so much, uh, I don't know, more at ease because that was the first uh, throes of the pandemic. And they just needed somebody that, that they had seen on television and respected and looked up to. And I'll I'll never forget that favor that you did for those kids.
2: Oh, that was my pleasure. I, th- I think it's really important. I mean, I, I say three words all the time right now, humanity, compassion and caring. If we had a society that had those three traits a little bit more, we'd be in a lot better place. And- couldn't,
1: couldn't agree more.
2: You know, the, the, the big thing now, and you know, I've, I've done it with my former players is you try to do something for someone else every day. If someone did something for someone else every day, uh, we'd be in a much better place. So, uh, you know, if the more we can get people to adopt those two themes and, and those traits, the better off we're going to be. And, uh, you know, it's hard on everyone. We're, you know, we're, we're learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable, but you know, we, we're showing a lack of discipline a lack of commitment to being good teammates. So our society needs to be more like our locker rooms. Uh, we respect people. Uh, no matter race, religion or color. We don't stereotype people. Uh, we just, we, we figure out a way to try to get the best out of each other. And hopefully we can try to find a way as a society to do that better than we're doing it now.
1: I agree with that. I, and I, I'll tell you what, I, I enjoy the, the podcast you and Docich do. Uh, I work out and, in fact, today and had it on, and I I like <laughs> I, I like the fact that you guys, as much as you can, don't pull your punches. And and this episode with Rick Barnes, you know, it, it was like, hey, we've got to. Uh, and, and the beauty of college basketball is that we're we're trying to take our time and assess the situation and see where we're going to be. Uh, can you kind of talk about that, what you and Dockage and, and Barnes—he talked about?
2: Yeah, it was interesting because the day before, I was on the phone with Craig Robinson. And, uh, and you know, obviously, he's the head of the NABC and, uh, right now. And, and, and the biggest thing is that Dan Gavitt's done a terrific job. I just get so aggravated. I call them gurus because I'm kind of a jerk. But, you know, all these gurus <laughs> out there that think <laughs> what they don't know and they've never made—I had to make a hard decision on anything. You know, they think that, uh, like, uh, the NCAAs are sitting around just twiddling their thumbs waiting for this <laughs> to heal. No, look, the the key is being patient because let's say there's no game plan, uh, there's no cliff notes, there's no manual for dealing what we're dealing with right now. So the biggest thing is we need to have contingency plans. We need to be patient. We need to see where the virus is. We need to see people are on campus or off campus. We need to see what happened with the TBT and the NBA and the WNBA in terms of Bubbles. We need to see so many different things. Is there going to be an antivirus? Is there going to be a vaccine? When is it going to be available? Is it going to be. I mean, there are so many scenarios out there that you can't make a hard decision. And even if you do make a hard decision, there's a chance that's going to change. Like Dr. Fauci is a brilliant man that's been saving lives his whole life. You know, at one point he said, you know what, masks are no good. And you know, you're smart enough to upon the research said, you know, masks are good. So I All think right. what's happening is we're going to have an NCAA tournament. I mean, that seems like it's a, a consensus. How, where, how many teams, bubble, not bubble, fans, no fans? I don't know. Uh, the big question is when the season is going to start. And I ask, me personally, I think the more schools that shut down, uh, I think the greater chance we're going to have that it's going to start on time. I think at worst it should start the week before Thanksgiving when students leave for Thanksgiving. And who knows, even if students are on campus, I would think that colleges are going to bring students back a little bit later. It's not going to be January. It might be the end of January. Yeah. By that time, you could create mini pods or bubbles or whatever you would want and be pretty much through the season uh, in an environment where everyone says we want the best you know, well being of the student athlete, in the safest environment for them, uh, and the safest environment for the students. Uh, you know, online education or distance learning, like this is not something new. I mean, Chris, no. you understand this. That's This right. is True. part of the college experience. It's the mo- it's the it. you people say athletics is the cash cow. Let me tell you something. Distance learning is the moneymaker. So I mean, you know, whether it's regular students or athletes, it's it's happening now.
0: Our guest is Seth Greenberg, joining us on our Blue Ribbon podcast. Seth, you know, we've heard about these four different plans for for starting the season. Is a conference-only season sort of a a last resort in that it would also make it really difficult to try to place teams in the NCAA tournament?
2: Yeah, here's the problem with with non-conferences is is protocol. Uh, Because if you're a Power 5 conference and you have a certain protocol testing standard, the question is, and you go schedule like say a team in you know in the ACC schedules a big South team. do they have the same testing protocol? Well if they don't, then are you putting your team at risk? Now this new saliva test might help because it'll be cheaper, but like I'll, I'll use an example right here in Hartford uh, University of Hartford, all right they don't have the money to do the testing. Now they do have a relationship with Hartford healthcare and I think Hartford healthcare will partner with them, but that's not going to happen everywhere. So I think the hardest thing, and I, this is what I talked to Craig about is that there's got to be a set protocol uh, for teams to compete against each other. Uh, if not, you're, you're basically putting people at risk and, and, and no one wants to do that. So I, I think we're going to have exempt events. My gut feeling is we're going to have exempt events in Orlando, in 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 bubbles like so, like, you know, whether it's Charleston, whether it's Orlando, whether it's L.A., whether it, all those events that go on, I can see those events going on in a bubble uh, with school out. Uh, the fields might change because it maybe it'll be schools in a region where they can drive to those events. But I, I can see that happening. I can see like type schools. I could see Champions Classic becoming around robin. Uh, and putting those four teams in a bubble, I could see I could see other uh schools in 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 regions creating non-conference bubbles. Here's the bigger question. If you're a mid-major, low-major program relying on guarantee money, forget about the football guarantee money. You know, if you're a historically black college or university that it, it plays three or four guarantee games to basically not support your basketball program, but to support your athletic department. That's going to be the issue because the mid-major programs are going to be getting killed. They're not going to have – they have limited revenue in terms of giving. They have losing their revenue in terms of season ticket sales. And then the potentially they, their next revenue stream is guarantee games. So like the Big Souths and, and, and the Trans-Americans and, and, and all the, the big skies and all these conferences uh, are losing – very, very valuable revenue, especially at a time where money is needed. I mean, when Stanford is cutting sports, Stanford is cutting sports, the financial crunch is real. Yeah. This is, a, this is, you know, you know I, I know Jay Bill is always says, well, there's not enough money. Well, you know, right now, Jay, there's not enough money. And again, I don't understand all the finances. But when you own, when you're building buildings on a college campus that don't re- generate revenue, you cannot pay for them with state monies. you got to pay them for private monies. And all that private money is shrinking up right now. So, uh, you know, I saw just the other day, uh, was it, I think it was Wisconsin Nebraska, dropping sports, uh, furloughing 20 people, uh, eliminating 20 positions. This is Nebraska. I mean, come on. I mean, the financial burden uh, that this pandemic has created is going to be felt for a while across college campuses.
0: Seth, one more for me. Uh, as a coach, you got to put yourself, you know, back in that role. How, how would these last few months affect a program and in terms of guys getting in that off-season work that they need, you know, in, in the places where they're used to used to going, you know, working with the people they're used to?
2: Well, there's a couple of things. One, it impacts recruiting and evaluating. You know, I mean, you know, you're losing all your recruiting windows and your evaluation windows. Uh, official visits become virtual official visits. In fact, there's a company that's come out right now that's working on creating really high tech virtual uh visits uh, in terms of player development. Like I, I talked to Mick Cronin the other day. He hasn't had his guys on campus all year, all summer. Now in LA guys are working out with workout guys, but it's, you don't have your team together when you, you know, when you can't put your arms around the team and develop a chemistry, develop a trust, develop roles, uh, Get your guys a better understanding of uh, terminology and, uh, and the glossary and, and, and redefining for your freshman playing hard. Uh, the interesting thing and the hardest thing is that the players are playing somewhere. All right. So they're playing somewhere, but then when they where they're playing, they're not getting tested. They don't have the same protocol. You know, so I would have thought you'd want your guys on campus, but Mick says, you know, because of LA and because of, you know, everything that's gone on, obviously in Southern California, it just didn't work. So guys lost valuable time. Uh, Teams that are freshman oriented uh, lost valuable time. Veteran teams, not as much. Uh, But I mean, let's take, take, push the sides of the box out. You're talking about basketball. What about a third grader? What about a fifth grader? What about a high school junior? I mean, like you talk about, you know, what about a first grader? Just the socialization of a first grader in school. I mean, I have a couple of friends whose children teachers, who are teachers, a first grade teacher. Monday and Tuesday, you have one half the class in, the other, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, have the other class. Then she's got a shield in front of them while she's teaching. She goes, I can't teach first grade and not be able to be there with sure. my students. Hug yeah we've got issues with basketball in terms of player development we've got a, 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 an issue in society with uh, just this th- these 8 10 12 months whatever it's going to be the impact that's going to have on these young people i think is 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 going to be we've got to think the mental health aspect of this is there's going to be a repercussion unfortunately
1: i think you're right about that coach and it, it it brings up a question that i wanted to ask you in terms of teams that manage to stay old i think we've seen with virginia and and villanova that are willing to redshirt kids and and they always seem to stay old and i was struck last night i was uh preparing for an interview i'm doing with a a coach uh at the higher uh, mid-level mid-major level he has nine players on his roster that started at other division one schools sure so that was his way of staying old but as a former coach yourself, uh, how important is it to continue to stay old? And I guess veteran teams are going to be able to handle this chaos better than teams that rely on youth.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, get old, stay old. That's you know, Mike Bray's philosophy. Mm-hmm. That was my philosophy of Virginia Tech. Well, I, st- I started that way, way, way back. Then. Uh, but instead, I registered every single guy to play for me except Lucius Harris every single guy and that was our whole idea because we had to deal with Utah state where kids were coming back from the Mormon missions and we had to deal with UNLV who was incredibly incredibly talented uh so i mean yeah i mean uh, getting old and staying old is tremendous tremendous asset uh you know and and there's a trickle down effect in recruiting uh, you know it flows up it flows down uh, here, here's the biggest thing: is you know you you got kids in the transfer the transfer portal. You're going to have hundreds of kids that put their name in the transfer portal and have nowhere to go. So it's, that's that's a, a subject for another day. It's like guys to put their today seventy two underclassmen put their names in the in, in the draft. Another thirty from Europe. That's a hundred. There's sixty guys drafted. We're not even talking about upperclassmen. That's like a game of musical chairs. There's not enough chairs because there's only sixty chairs. A lot of those dudes are going to be walking around looking for a chair. And don't have anywhere to go back to, which is sad because if we want to change society. It's going to start with education. And yet we, we never emphasize education, which drives me crazy. You want to change your station in life. You change your station in life with education. If you're a great player, that is great. But the one thing is that education, because once you do become a college graduate, the odds are your children are going to become college graduates. Okay? And that's how you change the cycle. Uh, Getting old and staying old is is the key. Harder at the mid major level now also, because if you've got a really good underclassman, there's a good chance he's transferring. And when they make him eligible right. immediately, those dudes are gone. Yeah. No different than a guy that's coaching in the Big South who gets a chance to coach at a higher level. You know, he's gonna go take that job. A guy who's coaching in the Southern Conference, you know, Mike Young, coaching Southern Conference forever and ever and ever, did a tremendous job. He gets a chance to coach at Virginia Tech, he's gone. Uh so I mean uh, it is hard at the mid-major level to get old and stay old because if you have really good players, we've seen it at UNC Asheville. It's happened a great deal. We've seen it mm-hmm. at other schools where guys leave and, and, and pursue greater opportunities to play on a bigger stage. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, uh, yeah, you want to get old and stay old. There's no doubt about it. You want to what I call evaluate up, uh, not see where a guy is, but see where a guy's going. And then you want to recruit character. You want to recruit toughness. Look at the NBA playoffs right now. Look at the Toronto Raptors in the makeup of their team. All right? OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Bias- uh Siakam. I mean these dudes are just winning players. Yeah. Look at the Miami Heat. All right? Tyler Hero, people said you weren't good enough to play Kentucky. Bam Adebayo wasn't wasn't the highest recruited dude. People said he was too mechanical, this and that. Winning players. You know, Jay Crowder, winning players. Teams that advance have uh, have toughness. Good teammates and winning players. It's it's the most underappreciated aspect of evaluating and recruiting.
0: He stays young by doing his thing on ESPN. ESPN college basketball analyst Seth Greenberg's been our guest. Great to see you. Stay safe. Hopefully, we can catch up with you again down the road.
2: You guys take care. Take care of yourselves. And uh, yeah, put just tell tell your people put a mask on.
1: Mask up, baby.
2: Hey, 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 hey. be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's the key. Sounds
0: Thanks, good. guys. Thank Thanks, you, Coach. You. Good to see you, buddy.
2: Thank you, buddy. Anytime.
0: Well, Chris, that was a lot of fun uh, speaking with Seth Greenberg. Uh, He's always terrific, whatever the uh, topic is, whether you want to talk on the court or off the court, protocols, all of it. uh, He he definitely has, you know, he'll give you some great thoughts on all of it. And uh, he's been our guest in the past, and uh, we we always enjoy your time when we spend with Seth. No question. He, uh, like I said, he was with my college class, and he just
1: held them, uh, you know, uh, in thrall with, you know, his... I don't think they realized how funny he is. He's really funny if you, oh, he is. if you, if he gets going and the thing that I admire about Seth is the fact that he was a journalism major in college and it was a no brainer for him to jump over to our side of the, of the game and, and become a media member. And, and he's taken to it just like Dick Vitale did all those years ago. when when ESPN started, uh, he was just a natural and, and I just I really think he brings a good, honest approach. And I like his his theory. If if everybody on this planet uh, was a good teammate, uh, we will we'll get through this, you know, mm-hmm. and and look out for one another. And and that's kind of the way he sees things. And I think he was hoping that college basketball doesn't
0: rush to judgment. And I don't
1: I don't think it will.
0: Chris, we did see four plans from the NCAA for playing this season, from starting on time to beginning in December, you know, everything in between. Uh, consensus seems to be that the season will start late, but as we talked about with Seth, you know, a conference-only schedule sort of seems like last resort, doesn't it? Especially with, the, you know, such a difference in games in some of those leagues and trying to figure out who goes and who doesn't to the NCA tournament.
1: Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I think that just in talking off the record to some coaches, I I think, uh, particularly the Pac-12, I I think the coaches were dismayed by uh, the the somewhat early decision to say that we're not going to play sports the rest of this calendar year, and I even think that it wouldn't surprise me if the the league went back on that, because I think there's some very good alternatives uh, being bandied about, and as Coach Greenberg said, one of them is, is the pod system, and that can work this is funny a, a lot of pundits and and maybe people uh with an academic band and, and heck i have an academic band i teach at the university level uh but a lot of pundits have said well you can't have the games when the kids aren't at school and mike of course he had the best tweet he says yes you can they do it every year it's called christmas break All right uh and, and You know, the kids are gone for a month and the basketball players, they're lucky if they sneak a couple of days home for Christmas and they're back again. So, yeah, this is nothing unusual. Uh, Only the times are unusual. So uh, we're going to have to think a little bit differently. These aren't usual times. So all these critics, like, like Seth said, that are jumping on the NCAA and the college conferences, I think everybody is doing the best they can. First and foremost, the student athletes and the fans have to be protected. And then I think people's livelihoods have to be protected. Uh, uh, the, the health and and mental well being of students have to be protected. So, uh, and we don't want this virus to, to continue to spread either. So it's a sticky wicket (laughs) no matter how you look at it. Uh, there are no easy answers. And I think, um, the smart ones are the ones like the NBA. I have a buddy who's who's uh, a conference commissioner, but he's also a huge NBA fan. And he said, "Who knew the NBA could save the world?" <laughs> and, and and he's right. You know, they they figured out how to get it done and 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 isolate themselves, and uh, more power to them. And I I hope other sports can follow their example as much as it is economically
0: feasible. I know they're a pro league. So I'm not being unrealistic there. Chris, uh, a couple other things uh, from college basketball this week. John Calipari adds Bruiser Flint to his coaching staff. Bruiser, of course, uh, he replaced Cal at UMass way back in the day, was at Drexel for a long time, been with uh, Indiana and Archie Miller the last few seasons. But, you know, after the loss of Kenny Payne to the Knicks, it seems like a pretty good replacement on that Kentucky staff.
1: Oh, I think so. Uh, You know, I've, I've gotten to know Coach Payne over the years and, I always found him to be uh, uh, generous with his time, uh, gregarious, and thoughtful when it comes to assessing the great players that that they've come through there. Let's face it, Cal's not an easy guy to to get a quote from. So uh, it's good to have a guy like Kenny Payne. And I think Bruiser Flint comes in there, you know, having been a head coach, uh, you know, having been an assistant at at the highest level at Indiana, Indiana and Kentucky are two of the obviously greatest, most historic and tradition rich programs. So I think it'll be a seamless transition. You know, Bruiser was at UMass Cal was at UMass. There's common ground there. And uh, you just can't, you know, especially a a program like Kentucky that basically prides itself on, on, you know, every year they kind of rebuild and, uh, if you look at cal 's staff he 's got several uh, former uh, head coaches on it, sure. uh, Tony Barbibian one and I think it's you've if your team is going to be inexperienced year after year, you better have some guys that
0: have been through the wars on your staff, and Bruiser Flint certainly has been through the wars. Juwan Howard of Michigan says he's not exploring, seeking, or listening uh, to offers for an NBA job. He says where his focus is is at Michigan, which obviously is his alma mater. Is he farther along than you might have expected at this point in his career there?
1: I think so. I think that it it doesn't always work for uh, alumni who played in the NBA to come back. Uh, That's not a formula. We've seen it not work uh, several times. And we've also seen... Coaches that didn't have previous uh, college experience, um, you know, it doesn't work for them. Just like it hasn't really worked for college coaches going to the pros. Uh, if Rick Pitino can't get it done, if Lon Kruger struggles, uh, I could go on and on. Mike Montgomery, uh, you know, John Beeline—they're two different persuasions for sure—and so. But I do think Jawan, uh, I think he, according to what some pundits might have thought, I think he, he outperformed expectations. And, and you know, it, John Beeline left him a great framework there as
0: well. Chris, uh, we wrap up our Blue Ribbon podcast. Again, for those who want to be part of the Blue Ribbon report, just had that delivered to their mailbox and uh, certainly uh, take part and listen to our podcast and all the things we have going on. Again, give the info for how they can get involved.
1: Absolutely. Um, our podcast is called The Blue Ribbon Report, I mean our our newsletter, and it comes out every week. Uh, first and third weeks are featured by what we call The Coaching Journey, and we profile a coach. And then you're, I'm glad to say, have jumped into the writing fray hmm. with a, with a an idea that I thought would be great for you, and I knew you could execute it, and you did it beautifully. My favorite venues. You started out last week with uh, I, I thought an appropriate choice, Allen Fieldhouse uh, at the University of Kansas, and uh, it was beautifully done. And uh, I told Kevin, I I, I said, Here's mm-hmm. your marching orders. I want you to write like a travel writer crossed with a hoops writer, <laughs> and and that's what you did. And uh, so and then. This, the, the second and fourth weeks are going to be our larger uh, newsletters. Uh, this, this week, I'm writing a, a profile of, of uh, Luca Garza that the last I checked was longer than an anaconda. Um, <laughs> it's got a life of its own, but I promised you, you'll enjoy reading it uh, because he is a great kid. And I got some great quotes from his coaches and him. And then every week we're going to do a podcast. You and I are, have been fortunate enough to take our former radio show, the Blue Ribbon uh, College Basketball Hour, to this new format. Yeah. And then we're going to continue. To, Blue Ribbon did an SEC podcast. So uh, one week it's going to be you and me. Next week it's going to be you and a rotating cast of characters, uh, me, Chris Lee, and Blake Lovell, uh, all assistant editors at Blue Ribbon. So it's going to be a great newsletter. You can go to BlueRibbonYearbook.com, scroll down to about the middle. You can't miss it. There's a big logo there with our newsletter on it. You click on there, and, and you can go and sign up. And uh, we've had a great response so far. We're very enthusiastic, and we've got great plans for this thing and even want to bring back elements of our uh, tournament guide that we dropped sure. a few years back. And maybe not the same thing, but there will be some good tournament-related stuff. So, Uh, We've we've doubled down on this. (laughs) We went from deciding whether we were going to uh, be uh, published this year to going for it, to bringing my friend Kevin on as an assistant editor and Blake Lovell as an assistant editor. And just, hey, while we're at it, let's start something entirely new and and do a a newsletter and, and some more podcasts. What the heck,
0: you know? Uh, and here we we're are all in is- isolation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a good good time to, to start something like this. Chris, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk to you next time, man. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks. All right. That is the Blue Ribbon Podcast for Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. So long.